So I'm just going to talk for a little bit about Luther. Remember that we are looking at Series 3, Episode 1, which was first broadcast BBC One, July 2013. One of the first questions that I think you've got to ask of each of the three shows that we're looking at, that's Luther, Top Boy, Reggie Yates, Life and Death in Chicago, is to ask yourself, why does he actually exist in the first place? Why have a media company, in this case BBC One, ploughed so much money into the production of this show? The answer to that, I would say, lies with the proven rating success of the genre. Luther is a pretty conventional police procedural show. That is a show that follows the investigation of crimes. It's a show with a maverick cop at its centre, troubled personal life, but genius on the job. And it's a show that is built around... Uh, essentially it's a star vehicle for Idris Elba, an actor who was coming to this on the back of his success in HBO's critically acclaimed series The Wire, which as we you know was big influence on Top Boy. If you can get a good understanding of the genre, that should inform your analysis of representation and that should inform your analysis of narrative. So to grasp the genre is to grasp pretty much the re- everything there is to grasp about uh, this show. So in this episode, Luther is being asked to investigate two crimes. We've got the uh, the crime of the Shoreditch Creeper, this sex fetish killer, this guy who's... Um, Going back, sort of paying tribute to a killer from the past. All this stuff with him. Mm. Look, it's a very specific look. The wig, the makeup. It's a bit of a Susie and the Bergeries thing going on here. Who in the what? A's. Post. Punk. Oh, a doth. Post punk. No, it's definitely not her wig. Do your thing. She's not wearing shoes. You see the uh, shred marks. She was wearing the shoes when she was strangled. So where are the shoes? <sighs> I've seen something like this before. Yeah, where? Photograph. Something. So he's reenacting an old murder. Maybe he's a fan. Paying homage. Um, trying to finish the job that he started. Then we've got the second case, which is the uh, the murder of Jared Cass. Oh, I, um, <clears throat> I've been ordered to move you to another case. What other case? Jared Cass. Sickness beneficiary. Cyber activist, whatever that might be. Found dead in his flat this morning. In one sense, highly conventional. These are two crimes. But in both narratives... Rather than a whodunit, in the first one, in the Shoreditch Creeper case, we see the killer pretty quickly. We get a, will he do it again? In the a Jared Cass case, again, it becomes pretty obvious that um, the, the murderer was um, the hand uh, mangler himself. Anyone for a smoothie, um, Ken Bam. And the question doesn't become a, a who done it, but a will Luther actually charge him for doing it? So they both kind of subvert the narrative conventions um, within um, of, of this particular genre. But two cases for Luther to crack. The second case, of course, is also uh, the, the Jared Cass case. 
is also the vehicle by which Erin Gray and George Stark will monitor whether Luther is corrupt. Uh, this again, the um, cops investigating cops, is a highly conventional narrative. There have been entire series. Um, there is an entire series, Line of Duty, that um, is about police investigating the police. So again, pretty conventional stuff. Then, of course, we've got the narratives of Luther's personal life. We have him uh, collide as he's rushing to the scene of the crime. Um, his car crashed into that of Murray Day. Um, that begins this kind of exchange of phone calls. That culminates at the end of the episode when Luther um, makes her materialise just at the click of her fingers. She wanders through the uh, the mist on top of his apartment, having um, you know quickly made herself over in about 30 seconds. And we can imagine 30 seconds later, um, the clothes that she put on have put themselves off again. So my granddad, you chose him. Why? For love. That's got to be just about the best reason to do anything, doesn't it? So, uh, is it too late for that drink? We've got the Erin um, Gray, of course, nemesis of Luther, who is out to destroy him, aided by George Stark, and, and, you know, trying to enlist Justin uh, to their cause. And by the end of this particular episode, another little enigma, um, Luke Justin has sort of the doubts within his mind of have grown so that he, you know, is temporarily sides himself with Erin Gray and George Stark. We've got Luther's boss, Martin Schenk. Often within these police shows, um, it's a narrative for there to be great conflict between the boss and his maverick charge. Not the case in this uh, series, of course. Martin Schenk very much a supporter of Luther's, but he is troubled. He's worried by his um, his maverick cop, um, his you know his his sort of you know surrogate son, if you like, and we see him sort of you know rubbing his temples, looking troubled in the car as he's been told that he must send Luther off to investigate the Jar Jared Cass case, which should be a you know open and shut case, but because of Luther's great sensitivity. It isn't quite as open and shut as it would first appear. So, highly conventional stuff on the whole. Representation-wise, again, very much representations that are informed by the genre. It's a maverick cop genre, so you're going to expect that the main character is going to be highly masculine in a pretty much conventional way, tough, aggressive, violent, calm under pressure. Um, Luther is all of those things, of course, but he's also, he's not just brawn, he is also a brain, he is also a heart, he is highly sensitive. We see that in the way he deals with Ken Barnaby. Um, we see that in his, you know, his troubled personal life. He is um, not just um, a set of muscles, he is a heart and a brain as well. We get some, you know, again, for the genre, pretty conventional representations of femininity. Mary Day is essentially at this case in at this point in the series just a love interest for Luther and therefore highly conventional, not a character that's fully rounded out. Then we've got Erin Gray. Again, she does subvert representations, conventional representations of femininity, but within this genre, it's not unusual to see tough-minded women um, who are, you know, going about their business. There's, you know, a long tradition of those within police crime dramas. So, there you have it. Narrative-wise, it is full of multiple, there's multiple plot strands. 
we've got the personal life, we've got the crimes to be investigated, um, we've got lots of mini enigmas, little problems that Luther has to solve, and that he solves through his absolute genius, of course, we see that as he, you know, when he first of all goes to the first crime scene, and it can just, with this amazing photographic memory, just rifle through images in his mind and, and come up with reference points from the decade-old crimes. We've got his ongoing personal life and we've got the friction with uh, that, that materialises with Justin, but we've got his sensitivity around the Ken Barnaby case as well. Mostly highly conventional. Remember, an understanding of the genre should lead you to an understanding of the show as a whole. Okay? I'll be back um, anon with some thoughts on Top Boy and some thoughts on Reggie Yates Life and Death in Chicago. Flame 